Welcome to the podcast by MSD Animal Health, the podcast series from and for the swine community. Do you want to know more about biosecurity, the ins and outs and the application in farm? Follow our podcast with Dr. Jake Bodilov and our global technical directors, Michael Collin and Jessica Sid. My name is Olivia Flor, Global Marketing Director for MSD Animal Health, and I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Britain is in a good biosecurity position in that it is in an island, but we need to protect that position. Like many countries, our biggest concern is keeping out exotic diseases, especially African swine fever. Outdoor production is a significant part of our production and presents us with novel biosecurity challenges. In this pigcast, we will be looking at how we solve these and at some of the different diseases we face in outdoor production. We'll also be looking at some interesting aspects of Lawsonia biosecurity. Hello, welcome to another podcast. Today we have someone that uh, I will start with one question, Jake. Uh, which was the position that you were playing as a rugby, a rugby player? In which position? I played as a flanker. Okay, flanker. So you were the ones that they were running a lot. So you were not suffering from others, I assume. <laughs> no. Okay, <laughs> great. No, you. So I already introduced what we who 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 we have today with us. Uh, we have someone and having um, Jake Wadilov. Uh, he he is born in in Cambridge. And if you if you are born in Cambridge, I think that you only have one one chance in in your life to be a veterinarian and do that at at Cambridge. No. So he was doing that at at Cambridge. And he was, um, I know that he was a really very good uh, friend of Tom Alexander, one of the fathers of uh, what is the today uh, industry. So thanks to Tom Alexander, we have now things that like the three-side production, uh, and they are the more recent ones, eh? because we they, they give us a lot of things, eh? and some of them related to biosecurity as well. No. But anyway, he was qualified in 1978, if I'm not wrong, if the papers, they don't say anything wrong, and was initially working with Alistair Douglas in, in um, Goodwin and Peter, uh, sorry, in, in farming, farming Lang or something like this, Suffolk, before moving to, to where he is now, no? Uh, that was the yeah. first, okay. So now he's one of the principal partners of Eastern, uh, Eastgate Veterinary Group. Uh, for the ones that they don't know, you need to know that it's one of the most important uh, veterinary groups in, in, in UK. They have more than 11 veterinarians in practice and he's been also involved in such a plenty of great things like, like PBS, no? like Pig Veterinary Society. So for us, uh, Jake, is a pleasure to have someone with your reputation, with your knowledge, and the one that they will conduct uh, this conversation today, this um, podcast, will be Jessica Sid, which is our technical, uh, my colleague here in, in MSD. So welcome, Jake, and I hope we have a nice conversation today. Thank you, Miguel. Hi, Jake. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Jessica. So uh, let's dive into it. Today we're going to focus on biosecurity, but um, I know that you have outdoor production and it seems like it's a little bit different compared to what most people think because 
you have a unique situation where you also not only have outdoor breeding, but outdoor finishing. So I didn't know if you could kind of give us an idea of your operation um, there in the UK. Okay, well, um, I think what I'll do is I'll just start uh, with a little bit of background. I'm going to talk, as we say, about biosecurity and outdoor production. But uh, in Britain, we're kind of fortunate. Uh, we're an island, and that gives us a real good biosecurity start. Um, like the rest of the world, our biggest worry at the moment, apart from COVID, is a ASF and ASF getting here. Um, in theory, the water around us should protect us from wild boar entry and other pig movements, hopefully. But our danger really is from illegally imported pig products and people. And as, as always, one of the most difficult things to control in biosecurity are the people. Um, just to give you a bit of background of the UK pig herd, um, we've got about 400,000 sows now, of which 40% are kept outside. Of the finishes that are derived from all these sows, 10% are actually finished outside. 3% are of the, three of those 10% are under organic production. 2% are in huts with runs on the front. And 5% are in free range finishing. In a typical outdoor breeding herd, we have mating, pregnancy, parturition, and lactation, and all of these occur outside. Most of our units are three-week batch farrowing, and we usually wean at 28 days of age. Of our weaners, some go straight indoors, and usually onto a straw-based system, as these are perceived as higher welfare animals. Um, others will be kept outside in runs until about 12 weeks, and then they go inside. And then finally, the 5% of production in free-range finishing, usually placed in, into tents at four weeks of age. They're given two weeks to learn about the surroundings, and then they're re released into the field at 100 per acre. For you, those of you that are used to hectares, that's 247 per hectare. Um, and this free-range finishing is something I've been involved with since it first started in the UK. We'll talk more about that later on. So if we now move on to biosecurity of outdoor herds, it's based on the same principles as all other herds. But the biggest challenges to us are location, the perimeter of the unit, lines of separation, and controlling access of other animals and people. Interestingly, if we look at it epidemiologically, but also from biosecurity, an outdoor herd is a very large target. It can be kilometers across, so any pathogen that is going through the air or going through a vector has a large target to aim at. But the population within that target is usually very low indeed. And this gives us a different situation because it's less easy for that pathogen to spread once it's come into the unit. Uh, we'll all now be familiar with the 
R value of um, an infectious agent, especially COVID. But in an outdoor herd, it's rather like us doing social distancing. The R value is reduced and reduced significantly. So diseases can even die out once they've hit a, hit a herd. And I'm firmly of the belief we have a number of diseases coming in which disappear. Um, there is another challenge with outdoor pig production. When it's warm and it's dry, it's nice and easy and easy to do. In the middle of winter, when it's really wet, it's much more difficult to get round and much more difficult to comply with biosecurity. If you add snow and freezing weather, you increase the challenges even more. So that gives you an idea of roughly where we're coming from, what the situation is. Jay, can, can, uh, sorry, 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 yeah. go ahead. No, I, I, I have, um, did you finish this statement? Because I have a, yeah. a curiosity, no? Because for what I hear, that means that, uh, and maybe I, I, I could be wrong, but that means for, because one of the thoughts is that outdoor herds are uh, more difficult to control in terms of biosecurity, but the, could we say that uh, for one side, outdoor herds are the ones that they are easy to get disease, but for the other one, disease into the herd, but for the other one are more difficult to have the transmission inside the herd. That yes. will be a correct statement or not really? Yeah, I think it's a good statement. I always, um, a good one to quote here. Many years ago, I had a, an outdoor breeding herd and um, like a lot of pig producers, they didn't have good enough quarantine and they had a delivery of gilts from the breeding company. And the next day we had a phone call from the breeding company to say, could you keep them in isolation? We've just broken with swine influenza. Um, well, needless to say, if you've got no isolation, you can't keep them in it. They were on the side of the herd. Now, normally, in a herd when you, that is completely naive, if you'd introduced swine influenza, you would expect a great big wave to go around that herd. It, it took something like eight weeks for that infection to go around the herd, and it was only 600 sows. So it shows you, even with something like swine influenza, the dynamics are different. And um, yeah, what I'm saying is, I'm sure there are infections that go in there that disappear. That's that's a great a great example. And thank thank you for 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 being this personal uh, uh, notice. Okay. Um, if we just move on and move into the sort of biosecurity, um, one of the prime things is the location of the unit. Now. Um, that's dictated by geography and weather. You've got to have the right land and the right place to do this. And you'd think that being outside, you're okay. But actually, because you're going for the best land, often you can get areas of really quite high density of units uh, with units quite close to each other. The other difference with outdoor pig herds is they move. So a Normally, a breeding herd will stay on one site for two years, and then it will move to another site. 
normally that site is adjacent to the site it's been on before because the services are all there. But what that actually means is sometimes it will move closer to its neighboring herd. And I have one example um, that happened recently near us, fortunately not one of my clients, where there was an established breeding unit and a second farmer who obviously wasn't thinking in the same way put down a new breeding unit and the separation between the two was 50 meters. Now, I have a saying I said to my outdoor farmers, a hedge is not a biosecurity barrier. Um, it doesn't stop animals, it doesn't stop uh, people, it doesn't stop the wind, it doesn't stop anything. So you, one of the problems can be these moving units and we can get really quite high density of units in an area. Um, the other location thing with an outdoor breeding unit is quite often it ends up very close to roads. Now, those roads might easily be carrying lorries with pigs going to slaughter or lorries with pigs going to other units. So there is a biosecurity risk there. And then what may be and has been important in the past are footpaths. That's where people can walk. Um, and they can walk freely by government legislation. And some of these go right next to pig units. Um, people have been known to put pig units with a footpath going through them. And that is obviously a danger. Um, that danger is best exampled by, you'll be aware um, we broke down with classical swine fever in 2000 just before our big foot and mouth epidemic. That classical swine fever started on an outdoor breeding unit and it was almost certainly caused by a sandwich with a pig product thrown into one of the paddocks in that breeding unit. And remarkably, the epidemiologists now believe not only had they worked out which paddock, but almost certainly which sow ate that sandwich. Um, but that led, that led to a fairly major outbreak. I think in the end, um, something like 16 farms were affected and tremendous lockdowns were put in place. Um, just remove those before foot and mouth happened. <laughs> so we didn't need. Um, the other thing, as I just touched on, is that these units don't stay in the same place. Uh, I said you, you move at different times. So not only do you put a new unit down somewhere different, but you move an existing unit. Um, I think that really covers the location side of things, but you can see we run into some problems with that. Um, well, I was going to say, Jake, um, with the location thing, uh, and you mentioned it with ASF, you know, so we're always thinking about wild boars, but what about wildlife possibly entering into your, into your herd? Um, I'm just going to come on to that. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, perfect. I, the, the one thing, while, while you're talking about wild boar, I mentioned it, in our part of England, we are very fortunate because there are almost no wild boar, if any now, 
the worst some, but we believe they've gone. Let, let me jump. Why we don't have uh, you don't have wild boar? Because uh, that surprised me a lot when I was in England a, a few years ago. I know that it's an island, so uh, if you all agree and you kill the animal, the animal, the pigs don't fly, and they, the, the the wild boars don't fly as well. So, but why you don't have wild boars? It's, we, it's such such an interesting thing to to know. We do have wild boar. Um, I think I, I'm not an expert on this, but I think traditionally they were hunted to extinction, um, but then, or very near that, but they've been reintroduced back into the country um, through people farming and them escaping. And I mean, there are some areas, especially um, southwest of London, the Forest of Dean, where there are significant number of wild boar and people are concerned. And one of the dangers there is they are not very far from areas where there are outdoor pigs, um, which is always a big worry. Um, so yes, we do. We do have them. We're just more fortunate in my part of the world. We don't have a significant challenge. Um, I think that quite neatly brings me on to the perimeter of an outdoor unit. And you've already heard my favorite quote about a hedge not being a biosecurity barrier. Um, by definition, the perimeter of an outdoor pig unit is often poorly defined and difficult to protect. Um, it's you know several kilometers round a, a big outdoor breeding unit, um, and to define that and make it to to totally biosecure is is pretty much impossible. There are fences around these units mainly just electrical fences, single or dual strand. So they're really not terribly effective in biosecurity terms. I hear and you see people talking about now what's happening in Germany and with Denmark of fences being constructed um, to keep wild boar from migrating. Um, those wouldn't work on individual pig units. You just, the, the, the economic costs and the fact that the unit moves about, they would not be functionally possible. In theory, you could cut off an area and that might work, but I think the costs are likely to be prohibitive. So we have a situation where we have a, a boundary that is not really very biosecure. Um, we will put up signs, both telling people to keep away, but also telling them not to feed while, uh, feed the pigs, because if you're close to a road and there is a lay-by, some people eat their sausage or whatever and decide they don't want the last bit, so they tempted to throw it into the pigs. I believe it's a similar circumstance that um, African swine fever got into Belgium with, isn't it? So that's, that's a, a danger. Um, so how are we going to protect our outdoor unit? And I think we come on to what has become a buzz phrase now, lines of separation, that although we have not a defined boundary in the terms of an indoor unit with an impenetrable fence, but we have a line where the unit starts and the in, inside of the unit and the outside of the unit should not communicate across that. Ideally, we have fixed access points. 
and those are more biosecure in that we have a definite boundary saying this is where the unit starts. But even these are rarely tightly controlled. Um, we might have a central office and yard and um, this acts as a point where you can get everything coming in um, and you can be more controlled on the access to that yard. And the best designed units have that um, gated. Excuse me. Um, <coughs> we, by controlling that central point and making all access from outsiders to that point, um, you at least have the startings of um, better biosecurity. This might contain the feed bins. It might obviously have some relationship to dead pig disposal, but we have to be careful with how that works. Um, and as always, the big challenge here is going to be how the pathogens enter that area and are spread on into the unit by the unit staff. So it's, it's all of quite a concern. Um, in terms of pig entry and exit, we will have a loading bay, which might be movable, might be more permanent. Um, it has to have proper security, exactly like a loading bay on an indoor unit. Um, you want to have the right biosecurity discipline, both in terms of the driver and in terms of the um, farm staff. But if that loading bay is in an area that isn't on concrete, but is on dirt and mud, the biosecurity becomes much more difficult. So again, it's a challenge and needs to be done properly. I've already hinted on the problems with quarantine. In theory, it should be very easy for an outdoor unit to have a quarantine because you just make another pen somewhere, somewhere else. Um, but in practice, that happens too infrequently, uh, which, is, which is a pity. Um, obviously, the other way that genetics can come into a unit is via semen, and that normally is handled exactly the same way as in, in, in an indoor unit with good biosecurity but you need to have the right facilities for whoever delivers the semen to do so correctly. Exactly the same principles as indoors. Um, moving on to vehicles. These are another of the big challenges outdoors. Um, I, I like to define them as, as external vehicles. That means pig lorries, feed lorries, any service vehicles, anything like that coming towards the business and internal vehicles, which are the ones that move the pigs, the staff, the food and everything about the unit. The trouble is when you are controlling the two, you've got to try and stop the crossover. And it's very difficult when you have a yard where feed vehicles come to the yard and deliver feed and then internal vehicles go to collect the feed, you really want to devise a system where the incoming go to one side and the ones taking it out come to the other side of the feed bins. 
But unfortunately, there are few that do that successfully. Obviously, if you have blower pipes, you can make it better. But remember, these units are not permanent, um, although some of the feed points can be more longer standing. So long distance blow pipes are not really successful. Um, so we, again, that's one example. The other example obviously is um, any service vehicles moving in and out of the unit mustn't cross over st where staff vehicles or visit ve visitor vehicles come into the unit. So all of that um, creates a biosecurity risk. What you will do is again come back to this lines of separation. You shall not cross this line, which is very easy to say until what the, your safe side of the line is getting muddy and you can't drive through it easily. And his side of the line has got more concrete or hardcore and he can drive the vehicle through it easily. Now, if that happens, we've all got a problem when you start driving over each other. Um, we get service staff coming in and driving the vehicles and things to make sure that they do the correct disinfection and obviously vehicles have to be clean before they come to the unit. But all of this is a challenge. If we now just move on from that and start to look at the supplies to the unit, um, not so much how they get in, but what, the, what, the, what they are and what challenge they give us. Um, First of all, food. Well, the food mainly comes from major compounders uh, who supply nationally and um, basically apply a very high biosecurity standard and they're controlling things like salmonella. We will set up a delivery schedule such that they don't deliver to low health before they go to a high health unit and there's an entire system set up to do that. Um, so the food, as I say, is normally commercially produced. Water is different for the UK. I know many of the units in, on the continent have bore water rather than the mains water. Um, but in the UK, on indoor units, most water is in fact mains water uh, or commercial water, whereas the outdoor units are pretty exclusively on bore water. So we need to make sure that that water is of adequate quantity. Um, had a very good example on one of my units um, a couple of years ago where they had very, very high microbial challenge coming up in the bore water. And we ended up having to go to a system based on chlorine dioxide to sanitize that water because none of the other water sanitization systems could make that work on an ongoing basis. So water, water can be a challenge. Um, bedding, the this, this stuff we use called straw, <laughs> it comes, comes off the com back of the combine after the cereals have been taken. And we use huge quantities of this. Uh, you know, the, 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 a unit will use many, many, many tons in a short period of time. And obviously getting that to the unit, first of all, it has to be harvested off land which hasn't had pigs on it. Secondly, it has to be tried securely. 
And then thirdly, it has to be moved around the unit in a biosecure fashion. So all of that is a challenge. And obviously, uh, we can have the same problems with mycotoxicosis and things like that with the bedding. So it's something we need to be aware of. Um, another thing to watch out for is manure. Um, have people fertilized the land you're going onto? Uh, was it fertilized with pig manure? In which case, you want to keep very, very careful from it. We'll talk some more about pathogen carryover. Um, has it perhaps been fertilized with poultry manure? When would we be worried about salmonella as an, as an issue? So again, there, because we're more directly in contact with the land, that sort of biosecurity hazard becomes greater. Um, dealing with staff, um, really it's very similar to dealing with staff on an indoor unit, except that they're a different type of person. Um, an indoor man rarely goes outside and an outdoor man almost never goes back inside. They like, they like their own systems. Um, obviously, typical things of pig freedom apply, um, controlling their access to the unit, um, changing. There's not many outdoor units I know have any showering except for what I call a human comfort point of view, but not for a biosecurity point of view. But the type of entry that you see with the Danish entry and things like that need to be taken forward. Um, the trouble is, again, making people do that properly when they're walking about freely as soon as they get out onto the unit and stopping them crossing over where contaminated things have been. Um, one of the um, areas that we all stress in all systems is not to bring any pork products onto the unit in their own personal food. Um, and it still worries me, forget outside, forget inside, forget which country you're in. How many pig people still do this? That's, that's a real worry. Just that outside, it's that much easier just to throw it over the hedge and we don't know who's gonna pick it up, uh, which is obviously a compliance thing and ongoing compliance is I think one of the areas we're going to look for, look for in biosecurity to try and build systems of making people more happy with their biosecurity, more consistent with it. Um, visitors. Uh, it's very easy to keep visitors out if you've got a big barbed wire fence and it's two meters high and there's a lock gate. Um, it's much more difficult if, if there's two strands of electric fence that are 50 centimeters high and that's it. Um, and the electricity is not the sort of electricity that will kill you. It's unpleasant, but it won't kill you. Um, so there's a lot of briefing of visitors of what they can and can't do and a lot of signs and making sure that they comply with what they're doing. That's all right for the visitors you plan. 
because uh, uh, you you maybe want to jump into the ones that you are not planning, no? Mm. Because I I have a question related to that. Considering that they are outdoor, how difficult is to control? You know, there is always crazy people that jump into farms or or may have fun or sometimes or even even not that. So we we have a lot of cases in Spain and other countries that the people are entering the farms asking for the rights of the of the animals. So this is a big concern. Uh, how 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 you manage to do that when it's outdoor to control these kind of movements of these not desired visitors? The undesirable visitor is going to be very difficult indeed to stop because you've got such a wide perimeter that you just if they want to come in they will come in. There's there's no way around that. Um, I think what you have to do is make sure your production is more favorable. And of course, being outdoor, you are, there's a phrase that goes around, oh, the outdoor pigs are happy pigs. And whilst there are plenty of opportunities for welfare to become an issue, like in any animal production, um, we don't have an image where that sort of person is going to come to us first. I'm sure they will come eventually, but they tending to go to the more intensive indoor units at the moment. Um, there are isolated occasions, but if so, it's very difficult. If someone wants to come onto your unit, um, I don't think the authorities would be particularly impressed if you took a shotgun to them. It works, works quite well for uh, <laughs> other animals, but I don't think that's a, approved. But actually, even before you get to, well, if you've done the undesirable people, there are the other people. And the first of them, and actually, without being malicious in any way, one of the more difficult ones are other agricultural staff. Because we are on the land, almost always it is rented land. There's an arable business going on around you. And those members of staff regard it as their farm. And it needs good cooperation between the pig management and the arable management to make sure that um, the biosecurity of the pig unit is um, looked after. Fortunately, they've come to realize that the organic material that we put back onto the land makes their crops grow much better. So they um, do understand what we're saying. Well, oh, okay, we better be a bit more safe about this because at least it's... Um, something that's in their benefit but th they can be difficult to control especially at this time of year when they're harvesting and the contractors are there so they're not the people who are used to you the other ones i talked about footpaths earlier on people who are legitimately allowed to walk beside your unit or even in occasions through your unit and um they are um Quite often, very nice, very sensible people, but they don't understand some of the limitations and risks. Really, all you can do with them is plenty of signs and plenty of education. Um, the, there is then almost, if you like it, and I've touched on it already, the, the food threat from, quote, visitors or people. We talked about the road and the Belgian episode. Um, but one of my worries is sometimes when you see laybys for parking and picnic areas very close to pig units. That that's that's a real danger. And in my mind, 
um, one of the most likely ways we could get ASF is via a version of that. Um, that, that, that is what concerns me. I, I wish, I wish, I wish I could see more being done by the UK government in the, all the points of entry. There are, there are signs, but when you go to other countries, their signs are much, much, much more obvious. And uh, I, wish, I wish they would do more. Um, moving on through, uh, a next sort of area to look at is the equipment on the farm. Um, there's a lot of fixed equipment, which is easy. The, that becomes more of a biosecurity when you're moving the unit and that you want to wash it. So the, the arcs, which the huts they live in, the food hoppers, the drinkers and everything like that all need to be cleaned when moving the unit. And that's a major exercise. But also on an ongoing basis, you've got the trailers, the vehicles. There is a saying amongst tractor um, sellers in the UK that never give a tractor to a pigman because the pigman will break it. Um, so you, you've got both the danger of the vehicle and where it goes, but also the fact that it'll probably have to have an engineer at it quite frequently. Um, We've got to think about how the equipment gets into the farm, off the farm, and to try and stop any sharing of equipment between different farms. So all of that becomes quite an issue. Moving on to one of the fun areas that um, do apply to other biosecurity in, in indoors, but are much, much more prevalent for outdoors is other animals. I'm not going to include humans as other animals because I've already talked about them. Um, the next one is other pigs. Um, pig dense areas, you know, I've talked about how close the units can be. It is not unknown for piglets to escape from an outdoor unit and to turn up on a second unit. And as such, obviously, there's a risk that they bring disease with them. Uh, obviously, they don't travel far, that is the sort of biosecurity risk an indoor unit doesn't have. Um, obviously, any pigs on vehicles, etc., passing by the unit are a threat that could happen to either indoors or outdoors. But back to this thing of there's a lot of indoor outdoor units close to roads. Um, they've got a, a higher danger. Wild boar we talked about already. Um, I think you know they are the risk if the disease gets into this country uh, uh, or any country. If, if you've got wild boar there, how do you control the disease? And I don't think we'll go into that today because we could do several podcasts on that. Um, other farm animals. Have you got other farm animals close to you? Hopefully they don't come into your unit, but they can be close. Give you an example here. Um, if sheep have border disease, which is present in this country, and you've got a pig unit next to them, it's possible for that pig unit to test positive for classical swine fever. Doesn't actually cause a disease, but it causes a cross-reaction on the testing. And you, there are other tests you can differentiate, but it straight away causes us a potential problem there. Um, we'll come and talk about... Um, 
things like horses and cats and things like that, but they all can gain access there. Birds. Now, that is one of our larger problems. How do you tell a bird to go away? You can food proof the food hoppers, and though we have developed new ways of feeding in troughs and with hoppers for sows that reduce the number of birds you get, but there is still a real problem there. And what can be a problem in an area, and to give you an example is, if you get a large flock of seagulls, these aren't stupid animals. They learn that if people are feeding their sows at different times, they can fly to one unit, get some food, fly to the next unit, get some more food, and on to a third unit. So they migrate around the unit. And there is, um, people have tried all sorts of ways of keeping birds away, but there is an argument that if you haven't got a heavy bird population, you're better to leave it be, because if you do, it'll stay there, rather than move between the different units. Um, you know, obviously birds in the first instance could carry pathogens in their uh, intestines. You know, Salmonella is an obvious example you think of. I'll give you another one later on. Um, but they can also carry um, the pathogens on their feet, especially if you get wildfowl, duck's feet in mud, um, been associated with spreading PERS and various other disease, it, it, it's, it's a real problem. So birds are an issue. All we can do is try and make the feeding system as bird unfriendly as possible. And then hopefully things will stay stable. Rodents. Um, when people start telling me we've got to control the chances of salmonella outside, I, I do point out, how do I stop the rodent migrating from the sugar beet field uh, 500 meters away? And, and that, that is a diff difficulty. So rodents are an issue. As are- Jake, can I ask you a quick question yep. about that with rodents? I, I obviously go to thinking about breaking um, and I know you've done a lot of work in terms of elimination programs for brachyspira, um, but then I also think about Lasonia. Um, and so I didn't know if you could touch base on, um, you know, do you think you can successfully eliminate Lasonia or, you know, what does that look like in your operation? Okay, I'm just going to nip very quickly back to the, brach uh, to the brachy, first of all, because I can okay. give you a, hor a horrible figure on that. Um, uh, David Taylor and other colleagues showed that uh, Brachyspira high dysentery can survive in a mouse for 180 days. Now, wow. I question whether that, that Brachyspira is actually pathogenic mm -hmm. because if it was and it survived 180 days, how have any eradications ever worked? because how many of them had happened downtime of longer than 180 days? Right. Um, but uh, that, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting one on that. On the um, Lawsonia, I mean, <sighs> Lawsonia is a, an interesting disease. Uh, you, you can find various figures if you want, but um, it's estimated that something over 90% of pig units are infected. Um, and Yes, there are plenty of other species that have been shown um, to possibly harbor 
the brachysparin on the brain, the lawsonia, and obviously the, the equine fraternity have become much more aware of its pathogenic effects, um, but now it's been shown to persevere in both rodents, in cats, and it's suspected other species. So, you know, th there is the potential for other species to be infected or infectious to our unit. But I think that the, by far the biggest infection is coming from the sow to her progeny, and it's perpetuating on the unit that way. Um, interestingly enough, just picking out on one of my outdoor finishers, um, we do that system, it's, it's a very different system. We use um, single parity supply herds. Um, we go, we move our finishing units a lot. We move our breeding units a lot. But we recently uh, did some work on Lawsonia and we showed that we were getting quite high counts at about 12 to 14 weeks of age. This was on a unit which was a fresh field, which had never had pigs on before, supplied from a single parity unit, which was uh, halfway between guilt and first parity. Um, and we were finding high challenges of Lawsonia. There were no, that particular unit, there were no other pig units really at all, with, close at all. I mean, we're two or three miles away. So what are we saying? Four kilometers away. Um, so how did that infection get to that unit except with the pigs? And where did it come from? I, you know, I go back in the old days, we always used to call ileitis and PHE high health disease because whatever else you eradicated, it, it was one of the ones that was always there. And um, I, I, I think, you know, Lawsonia is a disease that we can control by controlling levels of challenge. But unless anybody else is aware, how often has it been successfully eradicated from a unit? I'm not aware firsthand of any. Um, and I have heard of a couple of occasions where it was done, but only for a very short period in time and they were reinfected. And I believe most of that infection is coming from the sow, not from externally. Whereby security is important with Lawsonia is if you're in an indoor unit, you can reduce the challenge in an indoor batch finishing unit by good biosecurity, cleaning and disinfecting between batches, good terminal disinfection. But if you're a continuous unit, that's much more of a challenge. So Lawsonia is an interesting one. Um, I think it's one we have to find other ways apart from pure biosecurity to get round. Right. Yeah. And for sure that Lawsonia will be around for, 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 for a lot of <laughs> years. Eh? No, not, not easy to, to, to control. Uh, yeah. I don't know, Jess, if you have something else. We, we are almost uh, yeah. run out of... Yeah. Sorry, Jessica. Yeah. yeah. I just, yep, I just, um, I didn't know, Jake, we, you know, just, I know we're running out of time, but just one last question was, you know, the discussion on antimicrobial reduction. I didn't know if you could touch base on how your operations, um, you know, what that looks like for you. 
We, um, on, on these free-range finishes, and I've just mentioned there were single, this is something we've set up over 20 years, that single source, uh, sorry, single parity breeding herds, we increase the health of those, we get them from our own GMU, guilt mating unit, and as I said, we're doing this um, batch finishing and rotation of land, and our health is touch wood, outstanding. Uh, uh, for those of you who understand the the the, the, the um, units, um, we have for the last six months on those units have a milligrams per kilogram PCU of less than zero point zero five milligrams. Uh, that's as close as you can get to zero, um, and it just shows how important you know getting the right health is because health is what enables us to do that. Good management, good pigs, but health. Thank you, Jake. Yeah. No, and I think that it's. Um, I think that they are the best. The best three words to say at the end: yeah? good management, uh, good, good people, and health as well. So, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, this is definitely what we what we need. And today we have uh, a, a, not a good, a, an excellent, a great, a great speaker with us. Eh? Uh, we have the the the. Thank the, you, the yeah, it's been it's been a pleasure, uh, Jake, to have you in these uh, podcast sessions. Uh, we were uh, enjoying a lot, and we will we learn how. Um, difficult it is to work under these outdoor conditions no, for biosecurity, which is not yeah. the same ones that we are facing when we are talking indoor. So when we were uh, thinking about how important is biosecurity, we, we probably don't realize how important are all, all these things. So with this, um, I want to say personally thanks and also in part of for, for, for MSD and for uh, Jessica as well. Thank you for uh, being there and for helping us to know a little bit more day by day. Thank you, Jake. Huh? Thank you, Jake. Thank you Okay, with that, guys, we finish this uh, podcast that it will be, uh, we will wait you for the next one that it will be for sure uh, someday sometime <laughs> we hope to, to 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 see you again okay thank you guys bye 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 thank you for listening to today's podcast and for spending some time with us we will see you next time for more relevant information about everything we want to know in the swine business take care